The Adventure Jogger, a podcast about trail and ultra running. Meet fascinating runners from the front, middle, and back of the pack, sharing inspiring and funny stories about life and running. Running should be fun, and so should running podcasts. I'm your host, Ryan Pluckelman, and this is The Adventure Jogger. Yet another FKT fallen. And I love this. So many great challenges, so many runners that built up great fitness for other things only to have those other things be canceled. And so they're taking their fitness and doing some amazing things. Eric Kosick just recently set a new FKT on the 346 mile mid-state trail in Pennsylvania. Six days, six hours, 13 minutes, and he's on the adventure jogger. Welcome, Eric. How are you? Brian Plockelman, thank you for having me. Hey, quick correction real quick. I believe the correct mileage that I went is 327. At least it should be. That okay. 340, that 346 is just Garmin jibber-jabber. Oh, okay. I went by your Garmin jibber-jabber. Because yep. I, I found this is, this is the case where if you rest for long periods of time and your Garmin is still tracking, Garmin's like moving you a little bit here and there, and it adds up those little tiny back and forths. Correct. And I did pause it when I stopped. So I was thinking that it wouldn't do that. I don't know if it still does or still doesn't. And I really don't care because it was only the cumulative time was all I was worried about anyway. Right. Exactly. Haven't had that problem with Makoros yet, Eric. Just want to let you know. <laughs> but, Interesting. But, I've heard good things. <laughs> but honestly, I've not gone 320 something miles in a single shot. That's pretty impressive. Let's get to that story in a minute. But first, Eric... You're training for something. You had big plans for 2000. The year 2000 was, the 2020 was going to be an awesome year for you. You had some plans. What were those plans for this year? Yeah, just like everybody else, I had plans. And obviously, none of those plans uh, came to fruition. So my biggest race, my A race, I guess, if you want to call it, was Ure 100 out in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Ure, Ure, whatever. Yeah. However you want to pronounce it. Yeah. Um, you know, that's a big 100-miler with a lot of elevation. And look, really looking forward to it. And everything I had in the spring that was canceled also was leading up to that. Just like everybody knows, I'm not, you know, I'm no different than anybody else. But that was, that was the big one for the year. So you build up this fitness for it. When did you know that that race wasn't going to happen and all of your plans for the spring and summer were destroyed? Um, I, I, I kind of prepared myself that it was going to get canceled, but on the flip side, they weren't canceling. So it was kind of nice because I had to keep training for something that I didn't think was going to happen. But I would say it was less than, I would say three weeks before I did mid-state, they canceled maybe a month. They held, they did what everybody else does. They held out to the very end which I respect, um, but it also makes it hard. It really does. It makes it hard to train. What, what was your, like, what was it like? You have these big plans. You're training for a race. The coronavirus hits and you see things starting to get canceled everywhere. This race is canceled. That race is canceled. What is it like training for a race that you're pretty sure is not going to happen? 
it's like you're all dressed up with nowhere to go, you know? <laughs> right. And I'm sure everybody, I know everybody feels that way. I actually, for the first time ever, I, I got a coach starting in January because I was so fired up for this Ure 100. I wanted to be my goal, whether I could or not, was to be in good enough shape to win it. Um, I can't say I've ever trained, you know, personally, I, I don't know how to train to win something. I just run hard. Looks right. like everybody else does. Um, anyway, I had a coach, Sayer Tannis, here, local coach in Pennsylvania here, who co- coached me from January through, well, she's still coaching me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, because I, so, I mean, my fitness level went uh, through the roof when races, when COVID showed up. Were you in the best shape? of your life do you think right when races started canceling were you get were you peaking at that point yeah in the spring yeah early spring to early summer march april yeah march april june i would say i was peaking ready for that july mid-july performance and so it happens you get that email the dreaded email. Emails that everybody probably listening to this podcast got from the race director. The one you'd been dreading. I am sorry, Eric. Your dreams of, of getting a W at the U-Ray are not going to happen. We are canceling the race. Or did they cancel it or did they postpone it to later in the year, Eric? No, they moved it. They moved everybody to next year. Those who want to still do it. So okay, I'm so, locked in for next year. Okay. So they didn't move it to like say September or whatever. They're like, okay, 2020, it's not happening. Right. You see that you kind of knew it was coming. Did you have a moment where you were like, oh, damn it. Or were you so prepared for it that it was just kind of giving you the confirmation for what you already knew was going to happen anyway? Oh no! See, I'm I'm a big powder. I like to pout. <laughs> oh, so, I mean, when these races get can gets canceled, it's you know a lot of people, a lot of my friends are really good at smiling and saying you know happy with the our, the race directors are doing the best they can, which they 100 percent are. Right. But I I I need a little time to pout. You know, give me a week or so to pout. How'd you pout, Eric? Did you did you uh, go grab some junk food and like tell your wife and kids like? You guys need to leave me alone for like a day or two. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I, I tend to get in that like, well, why I don't need to run for a purpose anymore. I'll do whatever I want. You know, <laughs> I don't need this coach plan anymore. Where am I training? I'm not training for anything. But then I, it gets better. Right, right. So it all happens. You pout, right? Your wife is your wife and kids are like, oh god, I hope dad gets over this soon. When did this mid-state? trail idea pop into your noodle pretty much right when oh it's always been in my head i mean here in pennsylvania mid-state trail its nickname is pennsylvania's wilderness trail and obviously now that i've done it i could say that fits fits it to a t i can't believe it doesn't get more credit in the ultra running community than it does i hope in some way that i i drew a little bit of attention to it because it's it's insanely insane <laughs> lack of better words um it, it's a great long trail but anyway i mean so i mean it actually runs like half mile from my house here in, in northern pa so I'm, i've always been aware of it and and known what it's done but being uh just with work in general i pretty much knew 
I can't afford to ever take off a week just to run. And with Ure being canceled, this was my opportunity. I didn't, I honestly, I didn't have any guilt, you know, that I was taking a week vacation away from my family. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was like now or never for me to, to attempt the mid-state trail, which has been on my radar for a while, but it's kind of just been a daydream. How do you plan for something like this? You know, you should get my wife on for, for this one because I had the easy job. Uh, from the day I decided, which was probably three weeks to a month out, I ordered the maps, which is very nice. Mid-State Trail Association has full maps and there's a, it's called Gut Hook app, which is an app for your phone, which mm-hmm. puts the whole trail on your phone so you yeah. can't get lost, which is a beautiful thing. But being that I was doing it crude, and I, I'm lucky enough to have a wife that's willing to crew me, you know, her job, she got going on road crossings and best spots to sleep and stop and things like that, which she spent hours and hours on while I just sat there in fear on the couch figuring out if I should really do this. <laughs> So your wife, Becky, is an accomplished ultra runner herself. Absolutely. And I, I, I got to throw, throw out a big uh, congrats to her. She just finished her first backyard ultra two weekends ago. And she, uh, her first one ever, and she went 125 miles and was fourth overall out of 60 some runners. So I'm really excited to see what she she does with that format in the future. I wanted to, to just uh, get her name out there. Bravo. Bravo. Way to go, Becky. That's awesome. But no, I mean, it kind of creates an interesting dynamic because, you know, like, like my wife is into running and, you know, she's getting ready to run a half marathon. So she runs, but she doesn't ultra run. And there's, and there's a difference in that. The amount of planning, the nutrition, it's all different. You really had quite an advantage to sit on the couch, have, have some beers and go like, all right, do I really want to run 300 plus miles? And she was able to look at those maps and go like, okay, I know what he's going to need and when he's going to need it. You really did have quite the advantage, Eric. Absolutely. And I mean, she met me at more road crossings than I should, I would probably say uh, I needed but but having having her there and being able to see her every so often, you know, certain chunks of miles just, uh, you know, keeps you moving during a, a big, long effort like that, knowing that uh, I'm dead tired and I can't move, but it's only six or eight or 10 miles. I, you know, instead of 20 miles or I have to sleep in the woods by myself. Right. That's huge. This is the first I've done a couple FKTs. Yeah. And there's something magical about doing it unsupported, in my opinion. Mm hmm as much as you can, but, and I thought about it for about uh, eighth of a second for this one. Yeah. But then I realized, okay, it'd be a 300 mile hike until I get light enough and I can run 20 miles at the end. Right. It's just, it just wasn't my, my type of event that I wanted to do. So right away it went to, all right, we're going to do this supported, make it a family event. My kids came down halfway through and helped out. Uh, just a memory of a lifetime more than, oh, let's crush this FKT. I, I could care less about the FKT. Well, I'll say this, Eric. You were at kind of, I say the advantage you had before with having an ultra-running wife, a very successful ultra-running wife. Look up Becky Kosick's uh, results on Ultra Sign Up. You'll be impressed. She's won a lot of stuff. The problem with that is, Eric, like my wife, if I'm doing something like this and I'm feeling like an ass sandwich – 
and I pull into an, you know, to a stop and I'm like, I'm done. She would say, okay, let's go home. Yeah. You are not going to get that. You are going to get the, the, the pep talk, the Eric. No, I've seen you do more incredible things than this. Get off your keister and get moving. Yeah, and she only had to do that about four dozen times. So I mean, <laughs> it really wasn't that bad. No, but that's uh, that's the honest to God truth, though. You're 100% right. Uh, and and Becky and I talk about it all the time, how, like, how lucky we are that we both have this ultra-running thing in common and can do it because we see it all the time where husband and wives, they, they support each other. Some do and some don't. Yeah. It's, it's different, but even the ones that support, it's respectable that the ones support each other, but they still don't get it when you come in looking like death, like you're saying, or, you know, want to push you to the curb, you know, it, you can always go farther and this and that. So yes, I a hundred percent agree. I had a huge advantage and anybody that knows Becky knows that I had a huge advantage. <laughs> right. It's like, it's like your FKT uh, it should have a little asterisk next to it. And it should say wife is best is Becky Kosick. That's what it yeah. needs to say. And that, so whoever approaches that knows the, the massive advantage you had going into this FKT. Let's, let's break it down. Let's, let's start right from the beginning, Eric. You know, you got 320-some miles staring at you. You get to the trailhead. Run us through this incredible journey. Well, it's been, we, we broke it down. Becky broke it down into sections, basically. How many sections I can do a day and uh, what the mileage was. So roughly, I broke. <clears throat> I came up with how many mile, <clears throat> miles I wanted to do a day based on how long certain sections were yeah. so give or take more or less give or take it came out to be right around 50 ish miles a day starting out a little uh shorter around 46 i think but then middle of the week going up to like high 50s so it all averaged out um but as far as you know how do you how do you how do you bite off something so big for me it was just getting to her every step was getting to her no matter how I felt, the next step was getting that next road crossing, you know, just, uh, just like a race and a lot of but next aid station, you know? Yeah. Um, now I, I do, if you, if you don't mind, I do want to drop a couple names because they were crucial to, to what I did. Yeah. Um, the first one being Ben Mazer. I've met him once before this attempt, um, just at a race for about five minutes. And I threw something on Facebook, I think before I did this, you know, asking or telling people what I was doing and asking if anybody had any interest in, uh, you know, coming down or helping out or whatever. And instantly he pretty much says, Eric, you have me for three and a half days. I'll get you halfway through the state. And to me, I kind of said, what? <laughs> and I made sure I knew what he was, you know, what we were talking about. I said, you're, <laughs> you're going to hang out with my wife and give her, help her get to where she's going and help me with these different segments. Like for three and a half days, you're going to do this. Yeah. He said, what's the big deal? <laughs> okay. I just wanted to confirm. That's what you're So anyway, like he knew that Southern section, I'd have never been down there. So his, um, his descriptions of technicality and things like that match my, um, what I would say perfectly. Mm -hmm. So every section I was hitting, I'd say, Ben, Hey, what we got ahead of us. 
oh, this is going to be hell, Eric. Uh, there's no two ways about it. Or this, you know, you got some flat rail trail coming. So, I mean, just beyond priceless for, for getting me through the first half, if not the whole race. Isn't that amazing? I mean, seriously, you put something out there on Facebook and a guy you met at a race for five minutes, not like you were just spending hours on the trail together and talking and, you know, hanging out five minutes. You've known this guy and he's willing to, to just drop everything for yeah. three and a half days. Yeah. yeah that, it blew my mind. That's absolutely incredible. What other names do you want to throw out before we. Oh boy. Let's get, let's go try to go through them real quick. Right. My coach, Sayer Tannis, which was huge in, in getting me where I'm at. Mm-hmm. Ben Mazer, which was absolutely amazing. Um, let's see what other Pacers did I have that, that came out? Michelle Benshaw. I met her the week before at my little race in my backyard and she decided to drive two hours to come pace me for a day. Um, Erica Anderson, Jeff Calvert, Dave Lister, Kip Hoffman, Josh Gavitt. These are all Pacers for me, but right. I mean, here I am doing this huge effort thinking I'm going to be solo during the week and I have company 90% of the time. Again, I was like, it was almost, I it was almost cheating. <laughs> Adam Cole, which is a, a great friend of mine yeah. who you interviewed uh, three years ago because he was the first one of a group of three to finish Eastern States fat ass. That's right. Now, he, just, he just finished Eastern States fat ass for the second time. He's done Eastern States three times now and only one official. So he's, he's pretty badass, I would say. But, that's, so I got to drop his name. Yeah. And he just finished that this past weekend. That's incredible. Um, it is. Um, Teresa Barnes, great friend of mine. She was out there. I think, I mean, if I forget anybody, they know who they are. But the support I got was far better than doing the run or finishing or anything. So how do you train for something like this, Eric? What did your what did your coach tell you? Like, okay, your original plan is to run 100 miles out in the high mountains. Now you're 300 plus miles through the mountains of Pennsylvania. How did you switch your training up to go from basically what would be a day and change to a week-long effort? So there was zero change in the training. At that point, keep in mind, I was only about a month out from Ure anyway, so I was probably, I'm, I'm not a, co- a good coach, but I was probably coming down to some kind of taper at that point. Yeah. And I had done a couple, uh, the FKTs that I had done prior to Ure being canceled were, were to keep my fitness where it needed to be since everything else was canceled. So anyway, I mean, looking back on, on mid-state trail attempt, I probably should have done a couple week back-to-back weekend days of like 30 mile hikes. I think everybody would agree with that. I didn't do anything like that. I, you know, I, I'm pretty good at longer miles on my feet. Yeah. Um, and I also didn't go into mid-state treat, treating it like a, like a true race, which FKTs should be, mm-hmm. but I want, I, I probably played it safe, more safe than anything I've ever done. And that's because I wanted, I didn't want the adventure, the memory of the adventure to be messed up by me losing too much sleep to where I couldn't finish or twisting an ankle because I'm being stupid in the dark, things like that. So I'm getting kind of off, tra- off track, but no. I, the, the attempt itself was 
I mean, I'm very happy with how I hold up with 50 miles a day. I've right. never done that before for yeah. seven days, six days. But I, I made sure that I was re- recovering as much as I could at night, getting a few hours of sleep and not trying to do a Courtney DeWalter and sleeping for 15 minutes and then heading back out. You know, I might be able to do that, but I wasn't ready to attempt something like that on this. Eric, I've, I, I recently got into the Vol State 500K. Uh-huh. Um, I was lucky enough to get in. So like my name, I thought like, oh, I'll be on a waiting list. They'll never let me in. But I, I, I'm in. You can see me on the entry list. And for my, next year. For next year, yeah. So I've got 11 yeah. months to get my ass in shape. But my thought was really good 100-mile shape, and I know what really good 100-mile shape feels like was kind of it's kind of like that's my goal shape with with some slight different workouts at the end right at right at the peak some some more longer slower walking thrown in there because there is so much walking in vol state and probably so much walking in, in a lot of what you did it's almost like there's that point of no return and really good hundred miles. And I could be completely wrong and people could mess with me and go, you're an idiot. You're not going to train right for this. But I, I feel like really good hundred mile shape is enough shape to tackle something like this. If you're smart enough and you don't go too fast, is that kind of what your mentality was for mid state? That's exactly what it was. And what I found, which, which might not be the same for everybody, but I really truly believe it's what kind of helped me or, or not save me, but help me get through it was so I would basically I was I was running from three in the morning most days till six or seven at night and that's when I would call it good Mm -hmm. and then I'd eat something and try to get to bed as quickly as possible and I was up at 2 a.m the following morning no no one night did I get quality sleep whether it's because of what I was doing or it's because I was sleeping in a van but I can tell you I didn't get more than two or three hours max sleep every night of actual sleep but anyway, the fact that I could run 50 or walk slash run, whatever you want to call it, every day, I really feel like it was because I, I gave myself, my body, enough time to recover and eat a good dinner and sleep a little bit. But I didn't give it enough time where it started to recover from that, that effort from the previous day. Okay. So I was, I was never sore when I was starting out at 2 a.m. Yeah, I was tired, fatigued, yeah. but I never got sore every day. I, and I couldn't believe that. Like, if I run a 50-miler or 100K, I'm pretty much out of the game for a day or two, you know? Right. Sore quads and stuff. I never had that, whether it was because my effort was slower. But I swear it's because I wasn't giving my body time to process the fact that, oh, it's time to recover. Because at the end, when I finished mm-hmm. and I gave my body a simple 10 hours – shit hit the fan crap hit the fan like my my feet blew up like sausages and this is only 10 hours after i finished yeah no time did they do that during the whole week but so i really feel like that had a lot has a lot and somebody that knows their stuff will probably agree or disagree real quick but i'd never done an effort like this um that back to back ish and i really isn't bad and like what you're going to be doing multiple days i really feel if you get you you don't don't get eight hours of sleep. Get your butt back out there. You, you're going to loosen up, and, and the, the recovery is not going to start until you're done. Gotcha. Soreness. Okay, so the secret, what you're saying is giving yourself time to rest, but that sweet spot of 
rest and recovery, but don't let your body start to recover. Give yourself a little bit of a break, but not so much of a break. Your body's like, all right, I'm done. It's time to go into recovery mode because you're, you're getting back out there and doing that. So instead of the eight hours of sleep, it's three or four hours. Get back up. Get what you're doing again. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously it's hard to get your, get your head off the pillow and get out there again. But I, and again, we probably, we're probably talking about common sense stuff to, to people that know any better, but I'm pretty sure that's, that's what worked for me. Was it weird the first time you like you, the first day is done. So let's say you, you get through the first day. How did day one go for you? Was it pretty much what you'd expected? Was it hard to go as slow as you needed to go? How was day one? Well, about a, a week before, you know, this was locked in. I had to do it. I was already off of work. My dates couldn't change. So about a week before the, the attempt, we all realized that, oh, it's a beautiful, uh, uh, what do you call it? Yeah, huh? Yeah, like 95 degrees, hot and humid the oh. whole week that I'm doing this. And I, I had no choice other than to suck it up and say, well, it's part of the adventure. Yeah. Anyway, um, the first day was probably one of the worst days as far as the heat goes. Mm-hmm. We went south, you know, farther south than I live, so naturally it was hotter. And then there was uh, like an eight-mile section in the middle of the day that was just scorching, you know, that – that that heat that comes off the road you can see like that yeah so that kind of ripped me apart and destroyed me and that was the right after that road section i threw up on a climb and that was the first time i've ever thrown up during any run ever um so it kind of and that was kind of an eye-opener it's like okay we're we're getting real now (laughs) (laughs) like holy shit here it is yeah but anyway, I felt I felt great after I, I threw up, and uh, I there were some sections down there that haven't been been maintained mm-hmm. for about thirty years. No, and I, I'm kidding, but that <laughs> you know, there uh, I don't think anybody's been on them all summer. And it, it the trail was pure briars. Uh, you couldn't even see the trail. All you could follow was the paint marks on top of the ridges, and it. It tore, it tore my legs to pieces. So it's 95 degrees. You're walking through briars that are grabbing your legs and scraping them wide open, and you're sweating in them, and you have 14 miles to go. Long story short, the first day was probably my hardest. Were you like, oh, my God, what in the hell did I get myself into? 100%, yeah. <laughs> I, I told Becky at near the end of the day, I said, if there's more sections like this tomorrow – I'm probably not, I'm probably going to quit because this isn't what I signed. This isn't, it sounds stupid, but it's not what I signed up for. I was doing like 30 minute miles trying to get through these briars, you know, and yeah. it was just, it wasn't a trail and I, and there was no running whatsoever. So it was rough. Was there any, ever, ever any moments during that first day when you looked up to the sky and shouted at the coronavirus for ruining your like you're like i could be at you ray right now i could be in the mountains of colorado running a beautiful race but goddamn corona now i'm stuck in the middle briars in the middle of pennsylvania on a trail that hasn't been you know kept up for years running 30 minute miles destroying my legs it was bad there was a lot of words spoken i don't know if i ever say anything about corona but a lot of words that started with f <laughs> it was it, it was really bad and um, you know no hydration up there on these ridges and the southern part of this trail 
you know, I, I think Maryland, Ooh, I'm going down to flat country, but you know, it was gnarly. I would say that's what threw me off more than anything is the first half of the trail was much, I would say probably harder than the second half. And I've, I've been around on the second half. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of a, uh, a big surprise to me. Yeah, I, I worked through it. Okay, so day one ends, right? You make it through yeah. those briars, you make it through those horrible miles. There you see Becky and the van. What was what was your off time like on day one? Uh, most days were pretty pretty similar. We got real lucky at, at being able to stop, um, you know, park at a at a spot where there's a stream or somewhere where I could just jump in real quick and wash off my extreme nastiness. Yeah. Um, Again, we, we had a van, a minivan, so it was all just car camping and that. Um, every, all the crew stuff got thrown outside, and the mattress was in there, and it just, you know, we'd pretty much eat with a, uh, a – she'd cook me up something good, or she'd stop at fast food and grab me a burger. That's the beauty of something this long is, you know, it doesn't matter what you eat. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Um, and then as soon as possible, the hard part was, like, as soon as I get done – First thing I had to do was lay everything out for the following day, which mm-hmm. was the last thing I wanted to do. Right. Um, but anyway, laying out all my clothes and what I'm going to wear and what I need to put in my vest. So, but everything was pretty quick and smooth. Uh, she had everything down to a T as far as preparation goes. So uh, it was a smoothly oiled machine and off the bed to try to sleep, even though it was like 90 degrees at night. So oh. It was, it was rough, but could have been worse. So day two. You know, you get you get four hours of of dinner and a little bit of recovery time. You gotta <laughs> that alarm goes off, Eric. I don't know if you had an alarm set on your phone or whatever, or it was your oh, yeah. Yeah, that alarm goes off like, okay, time to hit the road again. How do how was that transition into the day two? Oatmeal and coffee every morning for me and a banana is usually what I do for breakfast. Yeah. Quick, easy, and I, and I enjoy it. Peanut butter, oatmeal. Um, you know, once, once I'm at, once I leave the van and I'm out in the woods and it's dark and I'm by myself there, there's on several days there, there's something magical about it. And a lot of people understand that, but, uh, really quiet for a while. And then the beautiful part about starting that early is the birds start chirping at a certain time and they, like, just wake you up and uh so every morning that i ran i got up one morning i think i started at 1 45 a.m but the rest was like 2 30 to 3 mm-hmm. but i was on my own for a good i would say 14 to 20 miles before anybody joined i don't know why nobody wanted to join me that <laughs> so anyway i always had no matter what whoever crewed me i always had some time to reflect on everything every morning which to me was kind of special so you have those moments of peace, right? Because you're out yeah. on the trail by yourself. Until just... you jump over a rattlesnake. <laughs> Did that happen? Uh, it happened once. I only saw two rattlesnakes, so it wasn't that bad. Oh, okay. Well, that's a, quite an adventure. Do the days kind of blend into each other at some point? Does day two, three, four kind of become like a blur when it's something that's this long? Very much so. And that, that was one nice thing about having pacers is, is as me thinking back on it, I can remember the days by who was with me. Right. So, which helps a lot. And I, I mean, I wrote up a race report mainly for myself because I don't want to ever forget any of these memories. Um, but yeah, absolutely. They blend together. And it's amazing that something that long and that hard 
and that could be the trail is different in so many ways every day that it all becomes one. What were some of those great memories? What are what's something that you look back on this incredible journey and go like, okay, all that pain, all that just horribleness, I love it because of these moments. Well, top of my list is obviously everybody who helped me. Yeah, and I know that's that's the easy easy answer, but it's the truth. blew me blew me away times a million. The people that I barely know that came out to help me, and you know there are certain friends that left Gatorades on the trail mm-hmm. for me that I didn't know were going to do it. Just little stuff that that is the most important thing. But I mean, it's funny. Like I I bitch and complain about all those briars and they destroyed my legs. And, uh, but that's definitely something I'll never forget. And I know for a fact, I'll never go back to any of those ridges and run away. <laughs> right. it's, still, it's still a part, it's etched in my memory forever. And cause I've never been on a trail so horrible in my life. If you want to call it a trail, that section, I mean, yeah. Um, so, so that, um, a couple really good views along the way of, you know, like I said, the whole Southern section I had never been on. So every step I took was virgin territory, mm-hmm. which I love, you know, being on new stuff, um, until it gets hard, but now the whole, the Southern section, if anybody cares is covered is a lot of rock boulder hopping, not oh. technical dirt, but literally boulder hopping mid-state trail is definitely made for hikers. Definitely, definitely, definitely not made for, running on in my opinion was it frustratingly slow on some of those sections where you're used to going so much faster than that absolutely and it's for me it's just you know how slow you're going and and the miles aren't clicking by the way they should and it gets frustrating yeah god that is it's it's so you, you talked earlier about how this was kind of an adventure in that you were spending time with your family your girls were out there your wife was out there. It's kind of a family thing. It's so funny. Like if you said this to any non-runner, like what'd you guys do for, for your, for your summer vacation? Well, Eric decided to run the mid-state trail and we just kind of followed him around and waited for him and gave him food. People would be like, that sounds like the worst vacation ever. But for, for ultra runners, especially your wife being one, that's, that's, that, those are those, those incredible memories to share. You said the FKT was the secondary to the adventure, but when did you know along this adventure that, okay, the FKT is in sight and I can do this thing? Um, okay. Well, the FKT was 11 days, which, uh, I think if you broke it down, it's about 50 K a day, which yeah. was, I, I, I could be totally wrong, but I, I'm pretty sure it was a very impressive hiking time. Okay. Um, that somebody did the full trail and back four years ago or something. I'm sorry. I forget his name off the top of my head, but anyway, it's not obviously the whole 327 miles for some reason doesn't draw a lot of attention for somebody that wants to do the whole thing. Right. So that was the only, that was the only thing I goal goal I had to go on or, or time I had to go on. So in my head going into it, my goal was seven days. Um, in a perfect world, and my, you know, kind of my goal that I didn't tell anybody was five. Mm-hmm. But after the first day that we've already talked about, yeah. and the heat, uh, I, and I even told Becky after the first day, I said, you know what? I said, it is now officially, we're going to get to the finish when we finish. I have nine days till I have to be, be back to work. I'm not, I don't care about 
how long it takes me. And I wasn't in a bad state of mind or anything. It was just, if there was more of that slow stuff that you and I just talked about, yeah. I knew that it was silly to, to, to not to worry about a goal because it was going to be slow. I could do it, but it's going to be slow. Okay. So when did it get bad? You know, we, we knew the, the first parts of the day. You said that there was probably four, four dozen times where Becky had to whoop your ass into shape and get you out of that chair. What were some of the lowest moments on this journey? Yeah, I, I would say every day the problem was the heat. And I, I, I hate to give myself excuses, but the heat was bad every single day. Bad enough to where I was move. I felt like I was moving slow enough where I had never – I was eating phenomenal. I was eating big breakfast when I meet her. Every stop, I was still hungry. It was great. Everything was working out fine. But by middle afternoon, 2 to 4 o'clock, the heat sucked my soul away, and it took my hunger, and it just made me tired. So the hardest part at that point, and thank God I had some pacers and stuff, was usually I was pretty close to my goal mileage that I had made for myself that mm, day. Yeah. But – I had plenty of time. Like I said, I had those seven or eight. I wanted a couple hours of sleep, but I knew I had more time to go to that next road crossing, another eight miles or something, even if it was a walk. Yeah. So the hardest part for me was that two to four when I was done and they forced, you know, Becky being my wife, she would say, well, you're not done. You can't be. They bank some miles here, you know? Right. Right. Where, you know, like, uh, uh, the regular non ultra running spouse have been like, okay, Eric, that's fine. Let's let's go yeah. ahead and and rest it for tonight. But pushing you uh, through that that the horribleness to make it happen. At some point, I've heard during these long journeys, and let's call this a journey run because that's really what it was. Yep. That it takes a couple of days of like like day one sucks, day two sucks, but then all of a sudden magic happens in day three, four, and on. Did you experience? Any of that? I 100% agree with what you're saying. I was waiting for it. Day two wasn't bad, probably mostly because it was so much better than the terrain I had to go on day one. Yeah. So, you know, it probably was horrible and it was still better. <laughs> and then day three, I think it was day three, was probably, I'm not a kind of a spiritual man really per mm -hmm. se, but when I started in the morning, it was just like everything clicked. I understood why I was out there, uh, not, not understood, but I just, everything was perfect. You know, uh, I was jogging a little bit, warming up. I couldn't believe that I felt as good as I did. I was already, I already had a pace the previous day, which kind of lifted my spirits. And I knew I had one later that day. And it was, just, I had a moment there and it was funny because it was literally right before I stepped over a rattlesnake <laughs> at like three or four in the morning where I was just like mentally and physically and spiritually, it was this is where I'm supposed to be. And that was probably the greatest feeling I had on the whole trip. Let's unpack that for a minute. Yep. It all clicks. You, you knew why you were out there. Why were you out there, Eric? That's a hell of a good question. <laughs> to do something that really scared the shit out of me. Um, you know, I've, I've done a lot of, not a lot, but some ultra races and I'm, everybody does them to test your limits and stuff, but that's what it is to do something that you're really deep down inside. You're really not sure if you can, if I can finish it. And that's my, 
that was that's kind of my draw to this stuff and i think that's probably a draw to a lot of people that do create this crazy stuff or even a 50k or any ultra distance or any run for that matter um it's a cool thing and that obviously when you finish that's what that's kind of what stays with you forever is you you beat this demon of a trail or whatever you want to call it battling the self-doubt too you know you think like i don't man there's probably a time Eric, in your life where 327 miles seemed impossible, especially over rugged terrain. And to, and to get to that point where you, you, you have to, at some, some point, barring ankles being rolled or whatever, at some point you knew this was going to happen. You knew Eric Kosick is going to finish the Mid-State Trail. You're, you're going to finish it in 10 days because you have to go back to work. But... Is that kind of where did when did that realization happen too when finishing was no longer a hope but a reality? Um I would say, I'm gonna say by the end of the second day. First first day I have my doubts. I really did. Yeah. Um the second day there were some spots that sucked. I had to do like a 13 mile section of a railroad trail, which I wasn't expecting on mid state trail, you know, yeah. wilderness trail. Luckily, I had uh, Michelle Benchoff with me, my first pacer, so she kind of pushed me through that, and it was hotter than all get out, too. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the second day, if not there at the halfway point of the trail, there's actually a sign that says you're halfway, and that was like, well, it's all counting down from here, you know? It is those little mental victories. It's kind of funny. Exactly. When you yeah. think about that, the, the, the mental victories of seeing that halfway sign and going like, okay. Well, I've made it this far. It's got you wonder too if, if that wonder of day two, the greatness of day two, having those great things happen, and then all of a sudden that realization day three, like oh okay, you can kind of did you ride that feeling, that emotion for the remainder of the adventure? Uh, Not the one in the morning that I'm talking about per se so much. It was kind of just an hour long kind of. I was high on life, if you want to call it that, you know? Yeah. Even though I could have been pretty tired at that point. It just, every, I don't know. I don't even know how to put it, but everything just felt right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there was no doubts after that, I, which I'm very proud of myself on because I, I tend to I tend to be a drama queen about stuff, uh, if you know? And it's such a big thing to bite off, but it was, it was just a matter of keeping the same – keeping the same schedule every day. Like no matter what I was up at three, I wasn't sleeping until four or five, right. you know, I'm tired and just keep doing it day after day. And obviously now looking back on it, the whole thing felt like it took a couple hours. It's insane. <laughs> six days, six days, six hours and 13 minutes feels like a couple hours. That's, 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 that's pretty incredible. What did you learn through this experience, Eric, both about yourself and just about running? Um, physically, you know, I learned that these type of efforts are much more doable, I guess, uh, for myself at least than I ever would have thought. I, I mean, this thing scared the hell out of me going into it. I know Ure was, is a hundred miles with 44, 42,000 feet of gain, which right. that scares the hell out of me. Um, and Midstate has, uh, what was it? 55,000 feet of gain total. So it's no, it's no walk in the park for sure. The 300 300 miles but man what did i take away from it um 
I don't know. I mean, I, I was just completely humbled by, by support. And I've, I keep saying that, but it's the truth. I never imagined, you know, doing this effort, I, I was, I started on Saturday and I wasn't planning on ending till Friday ish. Yeah. So it was a midweek effort. I did by all means, I didn't expect anybody. I, I expected myself to get a lot of alone time on this journey. Yeah. And, uh, it turned out quite the opposite. And that wasn't from begging or pleading. It was just because the humans I know are great people. The finish. What was that like? We all, we all, I think everybody in ultra running knows the anti-climactic finish where, (laughs) you know, you got, you got these road marathons where there's a cheering crowd of hundreds all spread out. There's a band ready to play their one or two hits for you. At the end, someone hands you a medal and they give you a space blanket and they say, damn it, good job, Eric, nice job. Now go watch Montgomery Gentry play a song. Where we've had those experiences on the road, but in the ultra world, you finish, usually it happens at your first hundred, where you're like, I'm gonna, I'm finishing 100 miles, this is gonna be epic, people are gonna be there to witness this amazingness, and you roll across the finish line. There's two people there. One person is asleep and the other person is the race director. And it's kind of like, uh, congratulations uh, that you finished in 15th place. Good job. Here's your buckle. In 64, good job. And you build it up to the last five miles. You build it in your head like, this is going to be amazing. Oh, my God. And then it happens, and you're like, it's almost like um, when you lose a Price is Right pricing game, and they play <laughs> that sound, the boom, boom, ba, boom, boom, yeah. That's That perfectly sums up an ultra finish line. Um, how did the finish of this incredible journey go? Uh, because I'm a lucky dude, exactly opposite of that. Um, I had a freaking cake made that said idiot on it. That's how, <laughs> that's how my friends are. <laughs> a friend made that for me shannon um no anyway um i guess what are there 10 to 12 people there i would say i had two pacers with me at that point my coach which is a great human sayer and adam cole who we, we were talking about mm-hmm. i run with him often so it was really special for me to to cross the finish line with him and and her um i had my parents there my daughters um I'm not going to name everybody, but right. they know who they are. Probably five or six or eight, eight people that were at least clapping. Yeah. So the, the finish was a 1.7 mile, um, uphill dirt road to the New York PA, Pennsylvania, New, New York border, yeah. which was the finish. Um, so we kind of shuffled up that as quick as I could at that point. Um, ran, walked it, whatever you want to call it. But anyway, what I remember most is we came, you know, getting close. I'm done looking at my watch and we finally came around the bend and there's my youngest daughter, Casey. And like, obviously that was like, Oh my gosh, this is it. And I think I kind of went into shock a little bit. Yeah. I knew it was there, but I, I seriously went in shock a little bit. I gave Adam and Sayert huge hugs and then ran like a hundred yards to where I could see everybody and tap the road sign. That's the, that was the finish. Um, it's something I'll never forget for sure. I pretty much broke down in my oldest daughter's arms then. 
which I kind of knew was coming. I'm yeah. a, I'm an emotional guy, especially when I run long like that. Yeah. It, it just, I get, I get sappy, but anyway, it was, it was great. Well, damn it. That's better than any ultra finish, right? There. I know it was, <laughs> it was for sure. I was expecting you to go like, well, yeah, it was middle of the night and, uh, around the corner my flashlight caught the sign and i just went up and tapped it and i'm like okay where's the van but no that's a hell of a finish eric yeah it, it was great it was about 10 o'clock i think 10 o'clock in the morning so luckily uh there I, I was pushed to uh to to go on that second to last day you know finish long miles and and kind of try to finish a little earlier yeah but it would have been a hike through the night and I would have finished earlier, but right. it would have been a finish in the dark, probably with not many people there. And again, at that point, I was happy with my time that I was finishing in. A couple hours didn't matter either way. Oh, and let's be honest, the bakery wouldn't have been open to make the idiot cake. Well, that that's a perfect point. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. <laughs> Wegmans isn't open at that time. Well, they probably are. Exactly. No, they're not. The cake person's not having that cake done in yeah, the middle the cake of the person night. doesn't work that. Yeah, the, the bakery person. I wonder what you wonder what that person thought when they're like, "Okay, I gotta make a big cake says idiot on it." Are you sure I, you want a cake says idiot on it? I was told there are some weird books. Yep, <laughs> that's awesome, Eric. G- give me the what is the story behind the idiot runner? Because if you look up Eric on Facebook, it's Eric Idiot Runner Kosick. Yeah, it's just something fun my wife and I kind of started, and it started with a group of friends that that came up for a race here a couple of years, two years ago, not even a race, a challenge in my backyard on public property, kind of a last man standing event. Yeah. Um, real quick. It was a 24 hour event, 20 or 30 friends came up and did it. And it was last idiot standing instead of last person standing. I did, yeah. you know, I just call it that for fun. Enough people did it where I, six months later, I did one in uh, either winter or summer, but, or vice versa. It doesn't matter. But that one was called uh, the Suffering Idiot, yeah. Which was 24 hours, but it wasn't the hour format. You just had to run for 24 hours. Yeah. So anyway, long story short, ish, uh, it kind of kept getting a little bigger around in our local community here, and it kind of idiot runners. I I feel like it's we're all idiot runners, uh, us that do the ultra, and aren't afraid to try new stuff. You know, idiot runners, somebody who is. It, it's okay to get out of their comfort zone and yeah. maybe it's something that they might not finish right. and very simple. It's not a bit, it's not really a business or anything, but we, we feel kind of strongly about the, that, I mean, it fits. It's a cool idiot runner. A lot of my friends really like it. And it's, it's something that uh, we hope more people kind of join, join in on because it's one big family. You don't have to do my race to be an idiot right, runner. Right. Um, that's all. Well, it's, you it's, know, it's, it's very similar to the adventure jogger. Absolutely. And, and the fact that it's all, the whole thing is like, don't take this stuff too seriously because it's ridiculous and stupid. Let's just take it for what it is. Dumb fun. And just kind of have some fun uh, with it and, and with ourselves and just not take it too seriously. 100%. And there's a lot of stuff out there like that already. We, and we get that, but it's fun. It's fun to just dabble in that kind of thing. You know, uh, everybody already has a bunch of t-shirts and stuff, but yeah, it's fun. No, it's, it, it, it's, it's, it's a check in a way, you, you know, it's, it's a, it's a reality check 
for for yeah. me, I know like the adventure jogger for me is a reality check of I'm not an elite runner. I I I will I can't take this stuff too seriously because it is just fun and it's never going to be something that I'm going to be great at. I could put all the effort into the world, but I just like I just want to have fun with this, right? And if I'm having fun, that's great and I shouldn't take this so seriously that I'm missing family events to get a training run in or I bore someone to tears with like an in-depth discussion about like like pacing and stuff. And I only eat these things and that sort of stuff. And it's, it it sounds like idiot runners very, it's like, it's like a reality check for Eric to be like, okay, this is just fun. I got to remember that. Yeah. Everybody has their reasons they run Mm -hmm. and, and because everybody's different, everybody can be an idiot runner, you know? The, the the where that how the event started or the people that came to the event, I think I had two or three people that ran it seriously. I had a little a prize for the winner. Yeah, but the majority of them were setting their own personal goals, which they reached. You know, mileage goals or time on their feet. Yeah, uh, the one in the winter was it was freezing cold, but yet they still kept moving on. You yeah. know, everybody does their own thing, and, and you, that's exactly what it is. It's uh, don't take it too seriously and join the club type thing. There is a movement, Eric, and I don't know if, if you if this is happening a lot in Pennsylvania where you're at. There is kind of a movement for this step back, like almost like there's been this corporate invasion of the sport, right? And as 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 more races get bought out and bigger companies get into races, there is this desire and movement to kind of step back to the old school a bit. And to, and to do kind of no frills, you know, races where it's a little, a little more old school, a little more self-supported and just a little more fun. Yeah. And I mean, personally, I've, I've been drawn to that a little more over the past year, not because of COVID. Right. I'm really anxious to see what happens next year nationwide with, with races in general. Right. Um, now that people I mean, people have got you, you've seen the FKT thing blow up and everybody has, and they, I hate to say it, but a lot of people probably realize, boy, I can, I can get that same adrenaline rush or whatever you want to call it and not have to go to that race, you know? Right. I don't know. No, I think I, the FKT, the whole FKT thing to me, and that's, this might be just my own personal opinion, right? but it's, it's amazing. I mean, it's, I love it. It's a race. I'm, I'm racing a ghost and I get the same. I still run as hard as I want to. And I get the same effect from it. Yeah. And I think there's, 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 there's room for, for all of these events, be it the low key events, the FKTs, the big events with the, with the swag and the sponsors and the big entry fees. I think there's room for all of that in the sport because I think, you know, there's different times. There's times when, you want to do a big, well-supported race. You know, right. you want to be on the trails with 400 people and you want to roll into those aid stations that are so well-stocked and you want to finish and get lots of swag and, and just, that's that's great sometimes. Sometimes you just want to do something that doesn't show up on ultra sign-up. You know, you just want to do something a little, uh, you know, a little more low-key. So I'm hoping that the sport will maintain that balance and have those events for everybody. And FKTs, I mean, that's something you can do on your own anytime you want. Yeah, I, I agree. There needs to be, there, there should definitely be more of uh, 
just a, a group of people going for a crazy, stupid long run and calling it that and nothing more. Yep. Do more stupid stuff. Do something, do something that would make you get a cake that someone has to get idiot written on there and frosting. Right. Be an idiot runner. <laughs> get that idiot cake. You want to make that baker go, you want the cake to say what? <laughs> I want right. it to say idiot on idiot. it. In the biggest, boldest, floweriest, frosting letters you can give me. <laughs> oh, mine had flowers on it. Yeah. It was gorgeous. <laughs> we are 100% listener supported. You can make a monthly pledge on our Patreon page. Just search The Adventure Jogger on Patreon or go to theadventurejogger.com. Join the community on Facebook and Instagram by searching The Adventure Jogger. And subscribe to The Adventure Jogger wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a single episode. 